Welcome to the New Life Philly podcast. We pray that you will be encouraged and challenged today as we continue in our study. Let's join in now. Well, with Mother's Day, I want to tell you a Mother's Day story. Think back in your timeline, if you know a little bit about history of the North Africa, um, Mediterranean area uh, around 300 and something A.D. There was a mom in North Africa named Monica. She loved the Lord. She tried to teach her kids right. She had one son that gave her special headaches. He was brilliant and he was a knucklehead. Her son lived for pleasure, trashed his life, and then decided he wanted to go to Rome. His mother got pushy and said, don't go to Rome. There are too many temptations there. And his son said, look, mom, this is what we'll do. There's the boat. I'm just going to go and say goodbye to my buddy on the boat. And then you wait here in the church. She waited all night. He got on the boat. He left and went to Rome, broke her heart. She remained there in that church all night. She's crying. She's praying for her son. And then he moved to Milan where his persistent mother caught up with him. He had gotten successful but he was not happy. He was not satisfied. He was looking for that one thing that would satisfy the deepest thing in his heart. And he hadn't found it yet. Until along came a man named Ambrose. The church next door is named after Mr. Ambrose. And he talked to him and he said, and he, and he pointed him to Jesus Christ. And then, and then while he's thinking about these things, he hears these kids saying the silly song about picking it up and reading something. And so he plays Bible roulette and he opens up the Bible and he closes his eyes and puts his finger on a part of the Bible. Not too many people had Bibles back then, but because he was a scholar, he had one. And he found a place in Romans, in the book of Romans, written by the Apostle Paul. And through the prayers of his mother, through the witness of Ambrose, through the, through the word of God, he became a believer in Jesus Christ. His name was Augustine. And we have been enjoying his books ever since. I mean, that's how many years is that? I can't do the math, but that's a lot of years. We've been reading his confessions and his, his great book, City of God, ever since. So I just want to tell you, tell, tell you moms, keep praying. This is what he said to his mother. Mother, your 32 years of praying for my conversion are over. Augustine, her son, became a leader in the church, a profound influence on the church for hundreds of years. Pastor Tim quoted him last week. April 24, 387, he wrote this in his confessions. We were baptized, and all anxiety for our past life vanished away. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 says, Do you not know? that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, and we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Baptism symbolizes that, symbolizes that newness of life, the new life in Jesus. What's that? Oh, I don't know how to use it. Uh, 
Sorry, you want to see me look really stupid? You put technology in front of me and see what happens. Oh, yay. Okay. Good to go. Thank you, sir. Dear baptized believers, the broken world, this broken world we're living in is hungering and thirsting to see the newness that Jesus brings into your life. People around you want to see the power of the gospel in your life. Is it real? Your life is going to tell. First thing, I've got six points, by the way. Now, don't worry. Don't worry. i got six bedrooms in my house, and it's not that big of a house because the bedrooms are little. So these are not six long points. It's going to take you for three hours. So anyway, the first point is this. Jesus is in the business of making you new. Second Corinthians 5, 17. Behold, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. The new has come. And that's that newness that the world is thirsting to see. That you've been transferred out of darkness into the kingdom of, 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 of God's Son, it says in Colossians chapter 1. And Ezekiel 36, Ezekiel prophesied, he says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, says God, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all of your sins, and I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. And I know that I'm getting older when my favorite verse, one of my favorite verses is this. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed daily. The purpose of this renewing, this newness, is to transform you into somebody who loves the Lord and loves people. You remember what Jesus said when they asked him, what are the great, what are, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is similar to it, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he came to his disciples in John 13, and he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. That is the direction. That is the purpose of discipleship. That's what we're looking for. That's what we are presenting to a watching world, is a heart that is transformed by the Spirit of God teaching us how to really love. That's the goal, becoming somebody who loves. Second point, Jesus makes us new, but there's a lot of not new stuff going on in us and in people we thought were mature Christians. You read the news. You find some Christian leaders that are leading double lives. Abuse scandals among pastors in several denominations and the denominations covering for them. Pastors who are bullies and control freaks. Ministry leaders who are impressive in public, but their closest relationships are either distant or chaotic. You know what I'm talking about? Any of you suffered some of the church hurt that comes from the kind of leadership? But you don't have to be a leader with a double life to feel that gap. You look into your heart, and even after listening to years of sermons, and after, after being in church for years, that not all your stuff from your old life is gone. 
There's still bitterness in your heart. There's still rage. There's still snark, selfishness, addictions, and pride. And we hurt the people we love. What's that about? And we fail to give the watching world a good picture of who Jesus is. Here, I'm not talking about every believer's daily battle with sin. I'm talking about major patterns. Ways of doing life that we learned early on, and some we picked up from our parents and our grandparents. Galatians 5.19 says, The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. These are life strategies for dealing with a hard world. And where do these patterns come from? Sometimes they come straight through our families. Exodus chapter 20, when God is talking about graven images, he says, uh, he says, I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands who love me and keep my commandments. In other words, sin patterns can be passed down from generation to generation. Pete Scazzaro, who wrote the books um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, was having a conversation with his wife. He was kind of early on in his journey, and, sh- and, and, and he was being a jerk. And his wife said to him, Pete, tell me something about your family that you grew up in. Tell, talk to me about that. And Pete said, oh, no. Old things have passed away. I'm a new creature in Christ. She said, no, you're not. I live with you. (laughs) Point three. It may be that Jesus by his spirit is nudging you to deal with some stuff in your life that you've been avoiding because it's either too painful or too shameful. When I first started preaching, I knew I was looking at people that sinned, but I had to find out later to see people who not only have sinned, but have been sinned against, who not only need forgiveness, but also need healing. Up until about 25 years ago, I had this story in my mind that went something like this. I had such a great childhood. I'm such a nice guy. That was my little loop tape, you know? I tried to maintain it as best I could. But about 25 years ago, and if you want to know more about this, you can listen to the last sermon I preached here called After the Crash, which I named The Crash, but then Greg changed it to After the Crash, and I like his title better than mine. But if you see that one, you can learn, you can learn find out a little bit more if you're curious about our little crisis. We were ha- my wife and I were having a crisis with the church. And it was hard. It was rough. Some of you who have been in pastoral or Christian ministry know that pastoral pain is some of the hardest pain there is. I'm a piano tuner now. Yay. But <laughs> I'm sorry, you guys. I love you guys. <laughs> anyway, we were going through hard times. About 25 years ago, I was leaving the church that I had uh, planted. And uh, it's like your baby when you plant it. It's hard. And uh, so we were a mess. So we took this thing called sonship. Now, sonship, for some of you already know about this, sonship is a a discipleship course that gets you centered on the gospel. And so we took this course. We decided, okay, finally, we're going to take sonship after all these years. I didn't think I needed it before because I had such a wonderful life that, you know, I'm such a nice guy and all that, all that 
malarkey. And so we took Sonship Deluxe. Now, Sonship Deluxe is when you get a counselor to help you deal with the stuff that you're hearing. So we told him our story, and he looked at me and he said, Bob, you've got some really big stuff to repent of here. And I thought, moi? (laughs) I'm the guy with the, you know, (laughs) great childhood, nice guy. (laughs) Keep everything on an even keel, Bob. And then he said to me, and I told him about a little bit of my history, and he latched onto it, and I didn't want to go there. He said, you had bullies, and you were not recognizing that you were a victim of abuse. I'm not talking about occasional bullying. I'm talking about every day. Every day for years. Stomachache on the way to gym class. Like, it's going to happen again. That kind of stuff. I didn't want to see myself as an abuse victim. I didn't want to think about it that way. I just wanted to keep that old loop tape going in my head. So there it is. I've sinned big. I've, sinned, I've been sinned against, and I've experienced trauma. I didn't want to deal with any of those things. I didn't want to go there. I wanted to keep my original story in my head. And I've got a question for you. Are you using your brokenness? to become a more authentic disciple of Jesus, or are you using Christianity to anesthetize your brokenness? Anesthetize. You know what the anesthetist does? He puts you in la-la land so that you won't feel pain. And when we use Christianity to anesthetize the pain of living in a hard world, we are becoming, we're in denial. We're not using, we're not, we're, we're, we're not entering into the life of Jesus. And we're not allowing Jesus to walk with us through our pain. We're using some form of not really real Christianity to keep us from feeling pain. And God didn't make us that way. After all, he took away the heart of stone and he put in us a heart of flesh that can feel. I was a basket case watching these baptisms because God has given me a heart of flesh that can feel. It's enough about that or else I won't be able to keep preaching. My big point today is if you want to enter into the new life more and more deeply and become more and more like Jesus, you've got to look at everything. You've got to look at your past. You've got to apply the gospel to everything. See why you do what you do and deal with it in a biblical way. Point four, start with God. In the beginning, God. That's what the Bible says. He is, and start with acknowledging his sovereignty over all things, including your past. I am an unbeliever. Don't take that out of context. I do not believe in luck. I do not believe in fate. Because I know this, luck doesn't love me, and neither does fate. I believe in a sovereign, holy, righteous, and good God who has my life in his hands. That's all I got. There's a blues song, Born Under a Bad Sign. I've been down ever since I began to crawl. If it wasn't for bad luck, I I wouldn't have no luck at all. But you weren't born under a bad sign. You were born in God's world. 
you were born and, 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 and God has had his hand on you and God sovereignly has, has, has taken care of you, even the bad stuff, even everything that you were, you've experienced. Psalm 139 says, oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and you know when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and you are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11 says, In him, in Jesus, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And Colossians 1 says that God holds all things together. That means that your whole history, in your whole history, God never said, oops, dang, how'd that happen? God never said that. Your home, your culture, your place in history, where you grew up, your experiences living in this broken world, your whole history has been crafted by a good and sovereign God who knows you, sees you, loves you, and he has brought you here today. The joys of your life, the griefs of your life, the hard places, the trauma, the triggers you feel, the sin patterns that are passed down from generation to generation, the times that you sin and cause damage to your soul and to your relationships, the times that people sinned against you and caused you to suffer, nothing is outside of the sovereign care of a good God who sees you and knows you and loves you. Point five. But look at how sin has scribbled on the pages of your story. I went to a counselor about 15 years ago. Always going to counselors, huh? I went to a counselor. I'm, I'm messed up. I'm glad that Jesus came for the messed up, not the dressed up. I went to a counselor about 15 years ago, and I told him what a sinner I was. Then he asked me, have you faced your wounds? I said, what does that have to do with anything? I was a little um, thick, as they say. <laughs> And he said, I want you to take some time to think about your wounds. I want you to think about people, the way people have sinned against you and have caused you hardship and damage in your soul. I want you to think about that. And I thought, oh, come on, this is going to turn me into a whiner. What good is that? You've got to go there. You got to remember the pain, remember the confusion, remember the damage it caused you. He made me think about that abuse that took place every day in the school. No wonder I hated school. And he took me through that, he walked me through that. And I had to think more deeply about that, I had to go with Jesus there. Because denial of your suffering makes the gospel shallow to you. Denial of your suffering makes Jesus and his hope and his gospel and his promises less precious to you because you're telling yourself that you don't need it that much. But realizing your suffering makes Jesus more precious to you. He's all I've got. And then you take the biblical route. You come out of denial. 
and you look and you see the sin for what it is, you see the greatness of that sin and the effect that it had on you, look what was taken away from you as a result, take all that and just as Jesus Christ has forgiven us. It is not until you take an assessment of those damages and you see those damages for what they are, then you take all that and say, the Lord Jesus has forgiven me of everything. I now forgive the perpetrator. But not until, not until you've looked at the damage. Don't just say, hey, I forgive everybody, I'm cool. Don't be cool too quick. Slow it down a little bit. I didn't want to admit that I was a victim of abuse. I did not want to admit that I had sin patterns that I learned as a little boy that were causing damage today. But when I finally went there, I realized more and more that my hope has to be in nothing less than Jesus Christ himself. And I more actively put my hope in Jesus. Sometimes we respond to the way people sin against us by sinning. Right? We come up with our own patterns, our own strategies for life. And a lot of times it's stuff that we learned early on and we keep the family sin cycle going by doing these things. So let me ask you, are there certain sins that you're not willing to repent of because going there fills you with shame? You know, Paul, the apostle, you know, the guy who wrote so much of the New Testament that we get so much life out of his words, He had to come to grips, he had to make peace with his past. He says in in 1 Corinthians 15, I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am and his grace to me was not without effect. That's dealing with it. Do you see what I'm saying? He's thinking about, he is not, he's not like minimizing what he did. He's seeing it for what it is. And he sees the grace of God that much greater. Dealing with sin in a biblical, Holy Spirit-dependent way is going to break the cycle of generationally past sin. God says in Hosea chapter 14, Return, return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for your sins have brought you down. Bring your confessions and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive us of all of our sins and graciously receive us so that we may offer you our praises. Believe the gospel, my friends. Believe the gospel. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. He separates our sin as far as the east is from the west. He buries them in the deepest sea. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Point six. See how fast? Go there, but don't go there without Jesus. Don't go there without his word. Don't go there without him. And these, in these hard places, let the Psalms teach you how to lament. 
Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted away from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength has failed because of my iniquity and my body has wasted away. That's an example of a lament. It is more than, it's not just whining, it's not just belly aching. Lament is when you go to God about the gap between the way things are and the way things ought to be. Lament is not unbelief, it's honest faith. It's looking at your history and looking at your present and saying, this is painful. I trust in you, God, because there's nowhere else I can go with this. And don't go there without hanging on to the Lord himself. Isaiah chapter 43, God reassures his people and he says to them, but now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, because you are precious in my eyes and honored. I love you. That's what the Lord says. Can you receive that today? Can you receive the love of the Lord and his commitment to walk with you through everything? Conclusion. It's not a seventh point. Start with prayer. Prayers of lament, prayers of repentance, prayers of forgiveness. Talk to Jesus who says, come to me all you weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Ask God, Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Oh, because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Then go to your pastors and your elders and other mature believers and get Christian counseling to help you process this in a healthy biblical way. This is a long journey. It's a marathon. Don't try to rush it. And the goal stays the same. I want to become more like Jesus. I want to love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I want to love my neighbor as myself, and I want to love the other disciples as Jesus has loved me. Depend on Jesus in your brokenness. And thinking and praying about this is going to break your heart, but this is what the Lord says in Psalm 34. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I've just got to read that again. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I can tell you, I can tell you that, I mean, you you can't always judge your own growth, but I feel like I've been growing lately. There's more peace in my heart. I know that. There's more joy in my relationships. There's more dependence on Jesus, more freedom from the old sins, more love, but I still got a long way to go. And Jesus is with me all the way. So go there. Go there, those hard places. Deal with the old and put it behind you. Take your place in the new creation with joy and freedom because your life, past, present, and future, is in good hands. My life is in his hands. Amen. We hope that you've been blessed today by the preaching of God's word. Join us every week for fresh insights on the New Life Philly podcast. May the Lord richly bless you this week.